0: Absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Co-Vision Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin In. We've got a special guest tonight. Um, My man Scott's not here. We're going to record our weekly later on but we've got someone that I'm sure most of our fans are also fans of and someone that's extremely familiar to people in the golf world, especially the Instagram golf world. And that's Max the intern, the putter kid himself, Max Arden. Max, how's everything going?
1: How you doing? Thanks for having me on tonight.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Been uh been, I mean, look, honestly, a, a big fan of everything you've done. Um, Thank you. One of my favorite things is how clean you've branded this whole Putter Kid logo, um, you know, this, this this Putter Kid revolution that's out there. I mean, you've taken it and run with it. And before we even get into e- anything, tell people how old you are.
1: So I'm 18 at the time of the recording. Uh, turned 18 back in May. So, yeah, college freshman right now.
0: So this, this is not somebody from a savvy media conglomerate. This is an 18-year-old kid, freshman in college, and how long have you been, quote-unquote, putter kid? How long has this been kind of in your head, you know, kind of your brainchild? When did this spring
1: about? So originally, uh, I wanted to switch over from posting golf stuff on my personal Instagram, which is at Max Arden. To a golf only page so that I could kind of geek out about golf and not annoy my high school friends or kind of overload it on my personal page. So when that happened, I started another Instagram. I want to say it was originally called Max Arden golf or something very straightforward. Uh, but I wanted to come up with kind of a or name, uh, and a clean brand for it. And I was thinking about names and Potter kid just came to mind. I don't, it wasn't like one light bulb moment. I was just thinking about names and that came up. Um, and I ended up switching the name and starting kind of Potter Kid, starting that page over, I want to say back in February of last year. So it's about a year and a half old. Uh, the growth has been awesome to watch. I'm really big on kind of natural growth. So none of that like follow to follow. So just natural growth is something I'm, I'm big on and I really appreciate when I see another account. So I wanted to make sure that was something that I kind of abided by. So it's been slow, but it's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of great people through
0: it. It's it's funny that you mention that. I feel like we've got that in common on my personal Instagram page. You know, it's mostly family stuff. Um, obviously, there's some golf because I'm so deeply involved with it, but it's never a ton. I don't post stories like that. But I feel like on the Leave the Pin Instagram page, I can just go wild, and the golf fans out there are like, "Oh, hey, that's awesome, dude!" Where, like you said, family, friends. Um, you know, in your case, high school friends would be like, oh, Max, come on, another golf picture from you?
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, Definitely able to do those Q&As and really get in-depth about golf bags, which I don't think my high school friends would would quite uh, enjoy, like Putter Kid followers do.
0: Now, did you play in high school?
1: I did. So I'm from New York City, and the high school golf scene in public schools in New York isn't the biggest or the most competitive, but I did play all four years. I was the captain my last two, so junior and senior year. Uh, the format was nine hole match play, which was a lot of fun. So definitely got to sharpen my match play game during that. Uh, and just, you get to work on your game after school. Uh, most of the matches were five and four, but it's definitely a lot of fun get to play some, some golf after school. Can't really ask for much more.
0: I think one of the most underrated things is kids playing golf in high school. Now I coached for six years, um, at a high school, not, not the high school that I teach at, but at our sister school. And, you know, one of my biggest things to, to kind of draw kids in was look, it is free golf. It is free instruction, you know, and for two and a half months of the year, you're literally playing every single day, um, so, for you, you mentioned that you guys played nine hole match play, which is interesting. We play 18 hole stroke play out here, and it is long, laborious, um, and boring. I feel like we'd get so many more kids to play match play. What are your thoughts on that? Did you enjoy the match play scenarios, or would you have liked some of them to go longer? Uh, stroke play, 18 holes?
1: I like the match play. I definitely don't think there's enough time, kind of once we get out of school and being in the city we got to go up to the Bronx or to the outer boroughs to play these matches. So I do think nine holes is kind of the ideal uh, round for this uh, league. But I definitely think the match play added a nice side to it where uh, one of my good friends played at one of our rival schools. So I got to go up against him every year playing a friend in match play. There's something very special about that and just always good matches and good memories through that. So I definitely think it was more memorable. And you definitely get to work on a part of your game, kind of the mental side and the strategical side that you wouldn't get to if it was just stroke play.
0: You know, and the cool thing about match play is the fact that as you get older and you get to college and, you know, let's say you play there or even play just, you know, outside with friends and stuff, there's there's no match play. Everything's always stroke play. And I'm an enormous advocate of match play because, you know, you have an 18-hole round you, you you bomb out a triple bogey or something like that. You're like, oh, my round is ruined. you do that in match play, big deal. You're down a hole.
1: Absolutely. I'm with you. When I play uh, matches against my dad, I would much rather kind of give the strokes and play match play. We have a lot of fun matches. And once you find kind of the sweet spot and how many strokes you're giving or getting, there are definitely some really good matches and come down to some intense finishing holes. So. Yeah, it makes Definitely it so fun.
0: much more competitive that way. Now, sure. you mentioned your dad, uh, a.k.a. putter dad. Is, yeah. is, was he the driving force of you kind of getting into golf, him being a big golfer as well?
1: So he played golf well before I was born. He learned to play when he was 13 at uh, his local course uh, called Hominy Hill in New Jersey in Colts Neck. And Hominy Hill actually is Robert Trent Jones' senior design Um, A lot of holes that kind of remind remind you of Augusta, at least from a layout perspective. used to be a private club. When the owner of it was on his deathbed, he sold it to the town for a dollar, and it became a public course. So definitely a really cool story there. I've posted some stuff about it on my page, but just a really cool spot that you can play for not an arm and a leg and, and really enjoy the course. So he grew up playing there. Started a little bit later when he was around 13. His dad played as well. And as his last credit at the University of Maryland, he took golf as a class where he would just go to the range, hit balls, shag the balls, and kind of do that over. Uh, And that's kind of where he he sharpened his game a little bit. He's kind of always been around a a 10 handicap in that range. So definitely it gets the ball around and can make some birdies here and there. So he's definitely a threat when you play mass play. But as far as him getting me into the game, I was originally a hockey player. I played hockey from when I was nine through my freshman year of high school, so 14 or 15. And when I made the switch, I was very glad I did. But in those hockey years, I wasn't the biggest fan of golf. It wasn't the easiest to get me out to play nine or 18. And I think it took time for me to appreciate it. And now that I do, I'm kind of glad that, I gave it that time, so I do appreciate it now more than I would have if I kind of played the whole time. But when I did decide to start playing more seriously my freshman year, I had a really good kind of base of my golf game where I could swing the club and I kind of had an idea of what I needed to do and work on to get better.
0: That's uh, that's a pretty cool story. You don't hear too many like that. A lot of times it's, ah, eh, my dad got me into it when I was, you know, four years old and that's the only thing I've done. Uh, obviously – As far as sports goes, you know, the hockey swings translates very well in in terms of, you know, body movement to the golf swing. So I'm sure you were kind of, you know, quote unquote, almost a natural when you got out on the course. Is that true?
1: To some extent, I will say there is video footage of me swinging a club on Randall's Island Golf range when I was about 18 months old. So I definitely started swinging from a really early age (laughs) and there was a time when I was really young that I would play, but yes, there was definitely a little bit of translation and there's just something between hockey and golf, even outside of kind of the swinging motion that just attracts players. Clearly there are a lot of players in the NHL that are really good golfers. So,
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's uh you know, that goes without saying, uh, Brett Hull, one, I mean, one of the you know most famous hockey players of all time from the blues is like the most avid golfer out there, you know, thirty thirty yeah. six 36 most days. Um, for sure. Yeah, so it definitely, definitely translates. That's a pretty cool story. Now, you know, you mentioned you're from New York City. So when most people say they're from New York, you know, most people think the city, but you don't think of people actually living in the city. Where was where was your home course then?
1: So until, so we joined Pelham Country Club up in Pelham, New York. Okay, yep. For people outside of the kind of Met area, it's about 15 minutes south of Blinkfoot, so 15 minutes closer to the city. So it's about 25, 30 minutes, no traffic from where I live, which is on the Upper East Side. So it's a pretty easy commute. But we joined there in the summer of 2017. So before that, it was kind of going out to Bent page, going up to the public courses, playing with my friends as guests and and that sort of deal, going up to Randall's Island Golf Range to hit some balls. So it was definitely more of a grind then. I'm very fortunate to be able to have a great facility to practice at now. And that's definitely helped my game a lot and my dad's game as well. So getting up to go play weekend games with him and other members we've become friendly with has been something that I was foreign to at first, but I've come to really, really appreciate and enjoy kind of those weekend, weekend games. You make a great
0: point. Um, Scott and I both grew up on Long Island. Beth Page was our home course. Uh, Scott lives in Westchester now, uh, New York. Uh, I'm in PA. And so many of the times we are very East Coast biased. Um, and we just ramble on and on about stuff, not realizing that, hey, there's people on the West Coast or there's people in the Southwest or the, you know, the Midwest that, that don't know these areas. So you have experienced, obviously, a ton of the Long Island gems that are out there, uh, both public and private. Can you give us a little insight into which ones have been your favorite? And actually, you know what, Let's let's expand past Long Island because I know you've been to you know some of them um, up in the Connecticut region, New England region as well. But which ones have been your favorite? Which ones have over exceeded your expectations? And I don't want to get into any that maybe have under exceeded, you know, I don't want to throw any under the bus, but which ones have been <laughs> the best for you? What are the best experiences out there that you've had playing some of these, you know, golden age era private courses out there?
1: Gosh, there I was very fortunate this year.
0: It's right, a very, please. it's a very long loaded question too. I apologize. I know because no, you know, I'm asking like, d- you know, do you want to pick this model? Who's a 10? That's a brunette or this model. Who's a 10? That's a blonde. <laughs> it's, you know, it, you can't go wrong either way. I understand.
1: Certainly. Uh, I was lucky enough back in mid April to play in the MGA's media day, which was at Hudson national where the Met AM was hosted this year. And before we went out to play, and let me just let me just say of,
0: for people yeah. that's, that's the Metropolitan Golf Association for those that don't yeah, yeah. yeah, for those that don't know out there. go
1: ahead. Yeah, so it's our regional Golf Association. they put on some amazing events. I, I do believe it's one of the most underrated and just amazing golf associations out there. The people and the courses are just amazing and the tournaments are very well run. That being said, uh, in the Media Day press conference they, went over all the courses that were hosting tournaments. And the Met Open was at Piping Rock. I was lucky enough to play in the Pro-Am there. And they went Piping Rock. They had the Westchester Am at Winkfoot. They had the Met Am at Hudson National. So just the lineup of courses they have and the courses they have to choose from is pretty awesome. And it's something that definitely doesn't go underappreciated in the area. I think everyone really appreciates how lucky we are to kind of live, in my opinion, in the best part of the U.S. as far as just amazing courses go. And to talk about uh, a few experiences that kind of met or exceeded my expectations, I'd say one course that definitely goes under the radar is the Creek, which is in Long Island, it is very close to Pipe and Rock, and it's also a CB Math course, CB McDonald Rainer. And the layout there is unbelievable. And I think the biggest thing that goes kind of unappreciated or unrecognized there is just the diversity of holes. Your first six there, first four or five, are very parkland, like as parkland as it gets, just tree-lined, benches, really nice, very well-capped and just pretty trees and all that. Then you make the turn to go out to the water and you play a few where you're just kind of seeing the whole course in front of you. And getting ready to kind of be near the water, and then once you get to, I want to say, so the eighth hole there's the Redan, which is an awesome par three. Then you hit over the Redan to the ninth, and those holes are then on the water. So I want to say ten and eleven are literally on the water. You have the beeritz, which is overlooking the water, and it's an island green beeritz, which you don't see too often. And just the history of the club and and the whole vibe you get around there is pretty awesome, and it's like a layout that I think definitely goes underrated, just because CD and Rainer did such amazing and iconic courses.
0: You speak with the intelligence of an old soul uh, in this game. I appreciate that. You, you're very welcome. Um, when you show up to college, let's say, and you know you have these these flags of, of these courses, and obviously, in my opinion the best courses have not only the best logos, but have the best logos without needing to name the course underneath it. I'm I'm an enormous fan of just a logo and kind of uh, if you know, you know type deal.
1: Certainly. Uh, The only flag I have hung up that has the name under it, I believe, in my dorm room is succession. But usually that logo isn't doesn't have the written under it, which I think it's one of the better logos for sure, one right. and one of the really cool golf experience.
0: And most, I mean, and and look, there's a lot of golfers that wouldn't know uh, the concession club, but non golfers obviously would not. So when people come into your room in school and they see that, because you know, you you go down the hallway and I don't know, you know, a, a girl might have you know 50 pictures of her high school prom hanging up. Another dude might have music posters all over. And, and someone comes in and sees that, are, are they like, hey, uh, like Max, what, what, what's that
1: stuff? <laughs> yeah, they're definitely uh, a little taken aback at first if they didn't know my, my golfing background. Uh, I have had a few friends over that did know the golfing background, and I kind of wanted to see their reaction, so I didn't tell them too much about the flag. Uh, you get some cool reactions. People appreciate the fact that each one is a different place, and you can kind of tell that each one has a special meaning to me. Uh, off the top of my head, I think a couple I have up there are Maidstone, uh, the double flag from the ringer, which is a really cool one that I have up over my bed. Uh, I have sleepy hollow, the Creek, um, and a couple others. And it's just, it's cool to look up there and every once in a while, if you're stressing about homework or a test, you just see those logos and you kind of go back to the, the rounds you've had or the, the memories you have on those courses. So it's definitely a, a nice way to remember home, uh, being down here. But, yeah, people so far are a big fan of them. Uh, I've showed it to a couple friends. i posted it on my story, got some cool reactions to it. So I'm glad they like it. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing I was able to do.
0: Now, as someone that's played these courses, I need to ask you, because I think if you played um, Logo Roulette, you know, you'd know you come down to these two probably in the final four of most people's logos. Um, in your opinion, Maidstone or Sleepy Hollow, what is the better logo?
1: So I'm going to go with Maidstone. And one of the main reasons for that is because some people might not know, but Maidstone does have an alternate logo. And that logo is the crest of East Hampton. So kind of the East Hampton crest or or symbol. Um, And it's this really cool old school logo. It says Maidstone and the year underneath it. But I think the whale is uh, something that, Oftentimes people will mistake it as Vineyard Vines, which I always get a good, good laugh out of. <laughs> right yeah. uh, it's it, it's very similar. Uh, I'll give it that. I think the Sleepy Hollow logo is very cool. I just think just from a, a simplicity standpoint, I would say Maidstone wins that. I will say the Creek logo is one of my favorites. Uh, the way the bird has its leg up and it has some kind of a, the fescue or native grass around It's just pretty cool. And I like how they have uh, green kind of as their Go uh, to color makes everything around the club kind of flow really nicely.
0: Gotcha. One of the one of the things when I see logos nowadays, sometimes when courses are trying to get into that merchandise trend, they really go like super hard trying to be you know original, and there's almost too much, and it gets cluttered. Um, so I agree with you personally about the Maidstone logo because it is just so clean. It's the date. It's the whale that's it. I love the Sleepy Hollow and, and the fact that, you know, I'm not sure when the logo originated. The course is nineteen eleven, I believe. But um, you know, if if that logo originated around that time, I mean it, it was a hundred years um you know, in in advance. Like it was it was well beyond be before its time. Um you see things like that nowadays at courses and they try so hard to get something that, you know, is like Instagram worthy or Facebook famous. Um, but some of these old courses just have, in my opinion, like Seminole, just have the greatest simplistic logos out there. I wish there was more of that nowadays.
1: For sure. Uh, I, I think you, you named a few really good ones. I think the way Seminole has that gold ring around the, the Indian head and little things like that, that make it stand out. I'm a really big fan of, but they keep it simple. I'd say one more modern course. It's it's definitely still before the Instagram and Facebook era, but the way Fryer said that everything is just so simply perfect. The way they have their pencils, the cards, everything is just minimalist. One set of T-markers is down on the course. You kind of, you tee it from wherever you want and you just play kind of natural golf. And, And the way they have their logo and just everything about the club, the scorecard especially, is just so well done.
0: They are uh, a very classy establishment, a very uh, understated establishment as well.
1: Certainly, I think the the one thing that people talk about when you play there is the showers, uh, and most definitely are not minimalist. Uh, <laughs> for, this is one thing that kind of gets talked about a lot, but a few people have gone into detail. So, just to kind of paint the picture for you and the listeners, I'm not sure coming in from a play there but i the first time i played there was back in may with zach and tron from the laying up and we didn't have time to to shower there because we were going over during play again at the creek uh good reason not to not be able to shower but i was definitely a little disappointed that we weren't able to see them but we did turn them on just to kind of get the effect but when i was able to shower in august it was it blew my expectations out of the water, and I don't think my ex- expectations could have been much higher. Um, the water pressure is so strong that you actually have to lean into the stream. Otherwise, I felt like I was going to go down. Uh, <laughs> but definitely one of the better feeling showers and just happier times. That I. Uh, one of the happiest I've been in, uh, in a golf course or in a club.
0: There's not too many podcasts out there that are going to talk to a golfer about how good the showers are. I mean, this is inside depth knowledge right here.
1: Certainly. This is uh, about as geek as you can get about golf, and I'm definitely here for it.
0: Um, so so let me ask this. So give give people an idea out there. Um, how does one acquire access to get on these courses? Is it through ZB? Is it through, um, through Tron's Connections? I ask this because I have a few friends that play on the LPGA Tour. So for them, it's as simple as, hey, my name is so-and-so. Um, I'm an LPGA Tour professional. You know, my friend and I would like to come out. And most of the times, you know, they are 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 big enough names where the pros at those courses would be like, you know, not a problem, ma'am, you know, bring whoever you want out. Um, you know, you're good to go on us. Is it is it that type of situation? Do you know people personally at, at the clubs through you know your connections at Pelham?
1: So for the most part, outside of that little trip that Zach and I and Tron had, uh, which I want to say most of that was based on Zach knowing members uh, at those clubs, but he played them before, and I'm pretty sure he also knew the pros pretty well. And uh, although Zach definitely isn't. The most well-known for his play, I think, just his his name definitely carries weight in the game, and uh, his love for golf definitely is very bright. And the the pros at these places definitely see that, so I think they appreciate that kind of a, a tour pro who can come in and just geek out about golf with them. But regarding how I get on, most of the places I'm lucky enough to know members. Um, so with with a few exceptions, whether it's playing with some PGM people who are in professional golf management on their way to becoming, uh, club pros or everyone's playing in tournaments or proams. for the most part, it's through knowing members. There are a few people at Pelham who are double members at places like Lincoln and sleepy hollow. So I've been lucky enough to play a few of those through that. Uh, but my dad knows a few, uh, members of some cool places. And, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet a few through the game and, uh, but it's just kind of a, a collection of everything. But for the most part, it's knowing members and just kind of being lucky enough to get the invite. But it's, it's a it's a question I get often and one I wish I had a, a better answer to 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 help those people. But
0: yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's the old adage of it's not really what you know it's who you know. And I think you know through golf, um, as soon as you get your foot in the door just a little bit, people are at least in my. Um, history of my perception, people are more than willing to want to show off their club, but not in an ostentatious way. You know, they have so much pride in their club and what their club does, and they just want to share it with people. Um, And I I know that I've had those opportunities, and and I feel like I've tried to give back through this podcast any time that we get, you know, PGA Tour media credentials. It's taking buddies along and being like, hey, this is what it's like to be inside the ropes, you know, come along. Um, But golf is such a small, insular world, and even though, I guess maybe to us, it seems enormous with all these people across the country, I think when you look at it from a non-golfer's perspective, you see that, wow, it it is kind of small. Like, a lot of people know most people within it. Um, Who has been, aside from ZB, you can get to know him, we'll get into that in a bit, who's been the best connection you've met who's been maybe the nicest someone who's given you uh, reciprocities at their club or or whatever or or maybe someone you ha- wouldn't have met through the game i guess that's the better question who have you met that you wouldn't have met through the game that's maybe had the most impact on your life
1: uh there are a few people i i want to be able to shout out kind of in, in this in the answer to the question sure. i'd say regarding kind of the instagram influencers if you will. Uh, or the people who have had the biggest impact on me through Instagram, I'd say one of those people is Hallie Ledbetter of Golf Digest. Uh, she, I met her at a golf Instagram event in New York City. So I've, I've attended most of those kind of when I can, and that's a great way where you really kind of see how small, like you said, the golf world is. It's just everyone knows everyone, and it's it's such a cool tight knit community. But Hallie's been so great to me and has always been there if I, if I need to talk or if I have any questions, she's obviously a veteran in the golf game and quite a a good player as well. Uh, But she works for golf digest in their social media. And that's something that I'm trying to kind of learn and get into and and see the more professional side of. So just being able to hang out with her and and talk to her about the game has been awesome. Uh, Another person I would say is uh, both the guys at the social club. So Ian Gilley, and uh, and Harrison have just been so awesome to me. Uh, They were really the first ones to kind of give me kind of the time of day and talk to me about if I had questions about this or that or design and all that. And and I think they're a a big driving force in the movement of the kind of golf Instagram world. Uh, So I just want to give them a big shout-out. I think the stuff that they do is is pretty awesome, and they're just great guys once you kind of get to meet them and talk to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're truly the the originals uh, of, le- let's call it, you know, Instagram golf world. Um, really, no one was doing before them what they are doing now, what they have done in the past, um, working with collaborations, the way that I feel that them and a few others have changed the way that golf courses are viewed through pictures and video. Um, so they are to that even have, you know, influenced us, and I'm sure tons of others as well. Uh, Getting into meeting Zach Blair, how did that come about? Because like you said, I thought you made a great point before. You said that he's not known so much for his play. Now, myself, my co-host Scott being just super golf nerds, you know, of course we knew who Zach Blair was, and I feel like the kind of, this is the resurgence of Zach Blair, this is this is him allowing himself to kind of come out full force and be like, "Look, this is who I am. I'm a golf nerd. Some of the ideas I have are insane, but I'm gonna make them happen." And you're either along for the ride or not. So I love the fact that he's kind of grown these wings and 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 taken flight. Um, part of me is a bit sad because it's like, "Oh, that was that was one of my tour pros that not many people knew about." And now everyone knows Zach Blair. So, how did you get? How did you get to become uh, the TBC intern?
1: So it's a, it's a title I'm, I'm very proud to hold, and one that I hope to hold for an extended period. But now you are the only the one, I, correct? I am. I'm yes. the TBC intern. Right. That's so why I said most the. Time, <laughs> yeah. So most of the time, if you ever DM TBC the, the Buck Club account on Instagram or tag us in anything i'll be the one that usually sees that and then i also have the tbc intern account where i'll, I'll post some of my favorite PBC stuff but uh touching on just how i met zach originally i had always been a huge fan and just loving kind of the stuff that he posts because barry tour pro is kind of getting to the nitty-gritty of oh look at the new grinds on these wedges or the way i had aaron Zill's bulky wedges panties or that kind of d- deal so I, I definitely enjoyed as i think we all do following his instagram and just just seeing that he really is one of us, just kind of lucky enough to live that PGA Tour lifestyle and, and get to kind of be such an integral part of the game. So I would DM him every once in a while, just like responding to his stories and that kind of stuff. And we had minimal contact. Uh, and then after the first ringer, back in October of 2018, there were a few people that I had known through the golf Instagram world that got to play in it. And, and when I saw that they were doing another one in April of 2019 at Sweetness Cove, I texted those people and I said, Hey, would really love to be a part of this next event. Is there any way you can kind of help me with that? And I DM would Zach and I said, look, this is my deal. This is who I am. I would really love to play in this event. Is that a possibility? And I believe those people that I texted at first kind of vouched for me to him. And, and he, he was nice enough to send me an invite and, and say, you know, we'd love to have you if you can make it. And my parents were very glad to hear that I was getting the invite but were a little bit skeptical in sending me down to Tennessee the middle of nowhere in Tennessee may I add to play golf with a with some grown men for for a weekend uh, when I had school as well so uh, the way I persuaded them which a few people know I made a PowerPoint presentation I uh, put on a button- down shirt tucked it in put on a TVC hat and I, I gave about a, a 10 15 minute uh, presentation on, on why I think I should go and why I think it will further kind of my golf uh career uh, especially digitally and uh zach got a kick out of that i filmed it and i I sent it to him and he really enjoyed watching that and and a couple of the other guys at the ringer watched it and, and also got a kick out of it my parents were a little skeptical at first uh eventually they were kind enough to end up letting me go it was my 18th birthday present uh and part of kind of my graduation gift so it was one that i was very glad and lucky to be able to attend. And, and from there leading up the weeks leading up to that second ringer, I was kind of texting with Zach and, and helping him with, with some designs for some of the merchandise. And I, I said, like, you know, like if you need an intern, like I would love to, to help you out. And he had asked kind of what I was doing that summer. And I told him I was caddying a little bit working on my game, but I was pretty much available. And at first it almost was a little bit of a joke, like Max the intern and, he ended up uh saying, you know, like how serious are you about that intern thing kinda of later that night and I was like, Oh, no, I'm I'm dead serious and I was uh it's kinda of started from there. So super kind of unofficial, very just I would like to call it just kind of two friends texting about golf stuff and making some cool stuff that other people are kind enough to support and purchase. So that that's how it originated. Um and, and I'm very very fortunate and Grateful for the opportunity that Zach has given me and continues to give me. And we're excited uh, from the TBC family to kind of get to see him start this year on tour. He's starting at the Greenbrier this upcoming week. Uh, not sure when this will be posted, but the Greenbrier is next week at the time of this recording. And he's heading. he flies out tomorrow, and I was texting him today, and he's definitely pumped and ready to roll. I think uh, if you listened to the No Laying Up podcast with him after his win, he definitely... Talked a lot about how he was getting back on his horse and kind of felt like he was ready to roll on the fence. So I'm very excited to see him play this season, and I think it's going to be a great year for him.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that. I just uh, I just caught up with that one. I've been a little bit behind with them uh, just from doing a bunch of things. This actually will be posted before the Greenbrier. We actually have uh, media access at the Greenbrier. Unfortunately, we're not going to go. I think we're going to save that for uh, the Champions Tour event in Virginia. It's not that far from us. It's like six and a half hours. It's just just I don't feel like taking a a day or two off so early in the school year, you know, but... uh, For sure. We were... uh, it, It sucks because Scott, that's one of the places he's dying to go to, and the timing just didn't work out, and I personally would love to go because you've got almost every single person from the Corn Tour starting off their year, which to the outside world, they look at that and say, oh, well, the major stars aren't here You know, and to guys like us, we're like, wow, this is what an exciting event this is. Like, this truly sets off the new
1: year. Certainly. I I think uh, I'm very excited, obviously, to see Zach and a few other KFC Tour graduates get their first start and and, and play this week. Obviously, the Greenbrier is such an awesome venue. So to be able to watch those guys play that course is always a lot of fun. I was actually debating making the trip myself, trying to kind of find a way to get there. It's only about three and a half hours from me. But I actually uh have my I qualified today for my first Elon club event, uh for club golf, so we'll I'll have that next weekend. But we'll definitely be cheering them on from, from the dorm room.
0: Congratulations on that. I know you had said you were you had that going today. That's fantastic.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a grind. The course wasn't my favorite, but uh, apparently it's the only time we'll play it this year. If anyone does know of it, it's called the Challenge Course. Uh right right near Elon, North Carolina and Burlington area. So was my favorite course, but I was able to kind of sneak in, and uh, I'm very excited to play some more competitive golf down here.
0: Yeah, it's a very cool area of the country. Um, our buddy, Tyler, the creator, who does all of our, um, or who puts all of my crazy ideas to uh, visual media, that's where he went to school. Down there. So, uh, you know, he knows it very well. We actually, uh, my family has a house in North, very, very southern North Carolina, North South Carolina border. So, we know that area uh, very, very well. What are you studying down there? I didn't ask you that before. I apologize.
1: Not at all. I'm studying marketing. So, taking a lot of general classes. That's one of the things that Elon kind of specializes in is a a really well rounded curriculum. So, I'm taking science courses and I'm taking history courses, but it's all kind of focused towards marketing and kind of marketing through the years. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking marketing. I would definitely take some design digital design courses in my later years here. And just, I think marketing such a open degree where you can, you can go so many directions with it. Uh, so no matter what I do, I do think I'll be able to use the marketing degree to my advantage when I'm, when I'm ready to kind of get a job and start working.
0: Now I know it's early three, maybe four weeks into um you know your college career, but where do where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself pursuing uh, after this? Is it something that's going to be within the golf realm?
1: Ideally, yes, I would love to work in golf. I, I think kind of that's what I've spent the last year, two, three years working on is just meeting people in golf and trying to make the most connections and best connections I can. So that when the time does come, I'm able to make that leap into golf where I, I wouldn't mind working kind of in finance or in something a little bit more, uh, some people might call it safe for the first few years. I think it'd be great if I could just go straight into it. So this, this summer, uh, I'm planning or next summer, I'm planning on looking into a couple more real world, uh, golf internships. I'm hoping I can still continue my duties as a TBC intern and I'm definitely planning on it. But uh, yes, I would like to work in golf marketing, whether that's par- partial design, partially content, writing. Kind of, I started as a photographer and doing some video stuff. So I think ideally I can offer up a pretty good package to whoever I do end up working for. Ideally, as I said, in the golf world.
0: Well, I mean, you've done a great job marketing yourself already. I love the visual of Max um, trying to sell his parents on letting him go to, you know, Podunk. Tennessee, to play in the ringer. That is hilarious. That's something out of out of like a, a sitcom television show where you sit your parents down and you say, here are the following reasons why I should fill in the blank.
1: It's a good one. I, I'll make sure I, uh, I send that video and, and that slideshow over to you after this.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, so now to talk about marketing and talk about visual media, this leads me to my next question. Your Putter merch, your Putter Kid logo is... Beyond simplistic, but and this is my own opinion uh you know for me, the more simplistic the more that it says there's very much a northeast New England style vibe to the look, and honestly the look is is no more correct me if I'm wrong than two squares or a square with a yeah, with a so, with a square outline if you will
1: yeah so the the meaning behind that logo uh, it, it is in the nautical alphabet so that logo is the P nautical flag. Right. And okay. One of the reason why I can't change around the coloring of it is because that would make it a different letter. So a white outside with a blue inside is an F. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's a P nautical flag. It, it's super simple. I like how it looks with the light blue behind it. And like you said, definitely has ties to, to kind of the Northeast nautical, uh, kind of my, my, my roots in a way.
0: Yeah, and, that, and, and, and that's great because it stays true to who you are and, and kind of where you came from. And what I like most about it is how easy it flows onto different types of medium, whether it be cloth, canvas, uh, head covers, key fobs, which you, I know you've done. Um, I know that you have some of the Be Dratty sweatshirts and pullovers that are upcoming uh, pre-order on your website how did how did that collaboration come about with b
1: So I originally, so through kind of PBC, I was doing a lot of work with B-Dratty and Zero Restriction and Summit Brand just because obviously Zach is sponsored by them. So we did a lot of work with them, and I went into the showroom of b which is in New York, uh, earlier this year. And I, I went in, and I was like, wow, the, the stuff that you guys have coming out is some really good stuff I, I would love to kind of collaborate and make some merchandise with, with my logo on it. And they were all about it and they've been great working with me in that sense. Uh, so I put in an order of some, of some stuff kind of in my size, my dad's size to see how he liked it. And it actually came in at the perfect time. We were uh, spending a weekend out in watermel uh, and we were able to take some product shots and all that. And those are the, what, what you see on the Instagram and the website. So I do have the pre-sale going for that now. Thank you for for shouting that out. It'll be up for a little while. Uh, The first order is in. So for anyone that has ordered, your stuff is on the way to New York. And from there, it will be shipped out uh, to you guys. So I'm excited on how that was, uh, that we were able to get that done. And I think that it it looks very sharp and definitely stays true to the brand.
0: And for people that don't know, and they should know, uh, it's simply putterkid.com as far as the website goes uh, and then putter kid on Instagram to follow you. So with Zach and the Buck Club, so we, we've got something here which literally, aside from uh, Sugarloaf Social Club, has not been done before. And a lot of people out there would compare the two and they would say, well, you know, Sugarloaf is like a social golf club where there's no true home, but they make some cool gear. And they say, well, you know, ZB with the with uh, the Buck Club or TBC is kind of the same thing, um, but you and I both know that he is actively pursuing buying land for a course. And on the No Laying Up podcast, he mentioned that there is some land in Utah where he's from that he's interested in, but you know, the price point's a little bit high. Um, give me, give me your thoughts on the Buck Club as a whole, as as far as. I mean, almost a a golfing cultural phenomenon. It's kind of like that small little click where if you see someone at a course or you see somebody with a hat, it's an automatic introduction to that person. Um, what are your thoughts on the merchandise aspect? And then if you can, and whatever you'd like to share on the actual um, site itself or the build itself.
1: So... I'll start with a merchandise kind of aspect in the community that, that has, has kind of built itself around our brand, which we're really so grateful and, and love kind of interacting with, with the members of that community. Um, obviously the, the stuff on the website isn't the easiest to get. We, we try to do as big of quantities as we can kind of handle. We're not in a warehouse. We're all out of a house in Utah. So it's definitely not, it's as kind of as big as we can get with the merchandise, but we are trying to do some more cool stuff. And as you've seen, Zach is doing, we're doing some cool Potter covers. We just did an area 51 release, which which we all got a good kick out of and trying to do some more limited stuff. Uh, regarding kind of your comparison to Sugarloaf Social Club, I would absolutely say there's a similarity there. Uh, we love those guys and, and have some, some great relationships with them and, and love what they do. And, and I think we each have our own kind of spot in the market and, There definitely is overlap, and I think uh, those people kind of do understand kind of the difference between the two, but uh, it's been so awesome. I think being able to collaborate with Zach kind of on a daily basis when it comes to merchandise ideas and just bouncing stuff off each other, it's a lot of fun. Zach definitely has a very creative side. He's an amazing artist and and can draw really, really well, and I do more digital. So kind of us working together, we've been able to make some cool stuff and kind of find a, a, a... a nice medium where people really seem to dig it and, and I've been supporting it a lot. Uh, just being able to work with a couple brands that, that I really like to support and being able to kind of give back to them and, and making some dreams that I've had kind of come to a reality. It has been awesome. Uh, and then regarding the site itself, uh, I will say Zach has pretty much said what there is to be said. We, we are actively pursuing it, uh, but the price point of the land that in fact seen that he likes, is a little bit up there, but we are exploring other options and uh, the course was already laid out. You can find that on the Club, which is our website. Uh, it's laid out by King Collins golf design, uh, Rob Collins, who was at the ringer, also architect of Sweet Cove and designer there. Uh, he's done some amazing projects. I know he's doing some more in the New York area and, and, and uh, his designs will definitely be more accessible as they keep popping up around the country. And I think it's very well-deserved Rob is one, one of the, the nicer human beings that met in golf and just such a creative mind when it comes to course design. Uh, I was lucky enough to grab lunch with him while we were at the ringer and just being able to hear him kind of talk about his design and, and how awesome it is to be able to see the people play and, and kind of get the love that he, he knows it, it, it really should after all the years of grind and work that he's put into it is really awesome. So I think that, uh, the layout that we have is pretty cool. It's not just 18 holes. I want to say there's 22 greens. We've got like 18A, 18 18B, 18 uh, a monster putting green, which will kind of become a putting course. They're actually building one up at Sweet's Cove right now, which is going to be pretty awesome. So I'll have to get back there to check it out. Uh, but it's definitely, the Buck Club is certainly in the works, and it's something that we try to keep everyone as updated as we can on it. Uh, a few months back, we did post kind of a, an announcement, a press release of sorts, if you will, just, I'm um, like the state of the box club, and, and just keeping everyone updated or as updated as we can at the moment. Uh, so, we appreciate the support of everyone, and we're definitely going to get that place built.
0: One of the coolest things about it is that is something that every single person that has played golf has walked around a course with their buddies and said, Man, imagine if I won the lotto, what I would do with this course, or, you know. If I if I won the lotto, would you be my you know my GM at my course and I would set it up like this like that you know every single person's done that and for him to have you know the connections to actually make it happen is awesome because we all in the golf community get to live vicariously through him and he's so transparent with it and the Buck Club is so transparent in not only its merchandising um, but within the build that you honestly feel like you have this connection to something that's not even there yet which, you know, to me, that, that that's awesome. I love seeing it from the ground floor, literally.
1: For sure. One of, one of the main questions that we get asked, and I get asked a lot through kind of the TBC comments and DMs, is is will will we be able to play this course? Because justly, we, we don't want to be buying this merchandise if we're not going to be able to play the place we we'll want to spill it. And there will definitely be ways for people to play it. Uh, there are some places like Tara edee and those kind of spots that, Make it, so it, it you can play it, but it there will be a private side to it, and kind of what TBC will be in that uh, aspect is definitely still undecided, but just the people should know that they will be able to play it in, in some some respect, so we, we do appreciate the support, like I said, and uh, we will get it built for sure
0: i'm 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 gonna put my vote in that twice a month. You know, certain days they can even be announced a month before by Zach. Anybody that has a piece of merchandise from the Buck Club, you know, can pay their greens fee and, and get in. But he can make an Instagram thing and he can say, hey, you know, in October it's going to be October second and October nineteenth, and greens fees are whatever X amount of dollars, $100, 150 dollars, come in if you have a, a, a Buck Club hat, shirt, you know, towel, whatever, you can get in that day. So there's my vote right there, Max.
1: I like that idea. I'll have to bring it up with the boss.
0: (laughs) Hey, can you, I don't know if you can, but can you talk about numbers as far as merchandise goes? Um, Quantities? Or is that something you'd rather kind of keep off record? You know what I mean?
1: Oh, for sure. I I can't go too deep into it. But we've definitely, over the past few months, have upped kind of the quantity that we're ordering. Um, When we start dealing with certain companies, we actually just made some hats that, it was kind of my dream project was being able to make my own American needle lightweight hat, which uh, it's a real degenerate thing to say, but it, it's my favorite <laughs> hat that's ever been made. It's uh the the white ones you'll see around with the green underbrim and it's the very lightweight cotton. And I, I think it's just the best fitting hat that I, I've ever had. So I have a ridiculous number of them. I'll have to count them up at some point. I think I brought down 10 and I ended up already having like 10 more shipped down. So it, it, it's a lot. Uh, but we did get to make those and in making those, we had to step up our quantities because obviously American needle deals with clubs like Wingfoot, Oakmont, Augusta, just to name a few. So they, they're working in large quantities and and in doing that, we definitely had to step up our quantity game a little bit, but I think we're lucky enough where it's been met by kind of the, the support and the demand where we can make those orders confidently and not have to worry about kind of getting stuck, uh, holding those in our hand, but it's been great. Uh, we, we do every project is a little bit different. Uh, a lot of the platform hats you'll see are a little bit more limited just because we do only a few here and there of every design, but when you do see like the American Eagle Lightweights or kind of staple t-shirts and those real staples that we do just with the plain TBC logo on them, we try to make those quantities kind of as big as we can handle and I will say I go on every release and, and make sure that if I was kind of a supporter and wanted to buy it through the website, that it's doable and that it's not going too quick. So we always we do our best to post the times when we can for the, the larger releases. So I will say every release that I've experienced, there's been enough time for me to add it to my cart, order it, and, and make, just to make sure that uh, we aren't making it impossible because we do want everyone to be able to support it if they want to and we really appreciate all the support and there are a lot of people that get frustrated with with how hard it is to get it uh so we we try to do our best and we're trying kind of to improve in that aspect of getting the release date and the time out there and making it crystal clear so that everyone kind of has their fair chance at some merchandise uh and we're trying to step up our quantities as much as we can but when you see the, the kind of highly anticipated stuff there's usually more quantities of that uh but like i said just kind of Turn on post notifications is a really good way to uh, to see when the releases are going to be and, and keep your kind of eyes peeled to our Instagram stories. Uh, and we do try to keep those at the quantities kind of as high as we can handle.
0: Yeah, I definitely appreciate that, honestly. And, and you guys do a good job of that. I've, I've gone so far as to just put a reminder in my calendar as well. Um, and the only thing that I've missed out on that I wanted was the Cactus Jack mallet cover. I had it in the cart I was like, Oh, I have to go back, I forgot something, and then when I went, it was out of the cart, you know, it had sold out already, so yeah, you know for for people that are out there listening, you know, realize that if it's a seven o'clock drop and something is highly anticipated, you know there's a chance by 7.05, 7.10, some of that stuff might be gone, but the frequency in which you guys release so many different things you know, literally all you have to do is wait two and a half, three weeks, maybe at most a month, um, and something else awesome and cool is coming your way. So what I tell people all the time is just, you know, don't despair, but be proactive. Put something in your calendar. Like you said, turn on post notifications is is a great thing. I was at the USM at Pinehurst this summer doing media, and um, we were following Brandon Wu's group and they were up on a, a part three, which had an enormous backlog. And another player, I can't recall his name, uh, wasn't playing too well. And his girlfriend was walking with him. And she had a Buck club hat on. So I'm, I'm sitting there on the bench. I said, hey, I said, I love your hat. And she's like, uh, oh, uh, thanks. I said, it, you know, it's the Buck club. And she's like, y- yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, you know, my boyfriend is over there. And you start talking, and you know, 20 minutes later, you're still talking to this person over someone... Something as simple as wearing a piece of merchandise. So I love For the sure. fact that's,
1: that, that's kind of the dream behind it is right. to be able to kind of spark up those conversations. You know, you're dealing with good people and people that kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to golf. When you do see that TBC logo in the wild,
0: yeah, you you know it's you know most people when they are wearing golf stuff out off of a golf course. They have carefully curated that. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, I mean, you don't just throw on, you know, I don't know, let's say a Pebble Beach pullover to go somewhere. You put it on because you want people to see that. Um, But this is something that's so, again, minimalistic, so sleek in its design, and doesn't shout the buck club. It's not big, bold letters all over the place. But if you know of it, it's like, hey, come on over. I understand that you're... Golf knowledge is probably as in depth as my golf knowledge, or your golf nerdum is as in depth as my golf nerdum. Let's chat.
1: Exactly, that's that's definitely the the goal of that merchandise.
0: Um, so real quick before we get out of here, I got two more questions for you. Uh, first one is, give me a little idea of this uh, Elon golf club that you've got going on. How often do you guys have matches? what What are your What are your goals for it?
1: So we, it's, it's the club golf, uh, kind of a team and we have a few tournaments throughout the year. So when there, we had our organization fair in our, our second week of school, it was the first one I went to after class was, was to find the club golf table and kind of introduce myself to those guys and, uh, kind of became friendly with the president over the last couple of weeks and help him with some of our merchandise design for, for the club team. Cause so that is what I really enjoy doing, uh, more than anything else. And, and we have practice twice a week. So we meet on there is a range on campus that's campus owned. So we we do meet there. We'll we'll play a putting game and hit some balls and just kind of hang out. Uh, It's a it's a cool little spot that I'll be posting more about and more out on on my story kind of over the course of the year. But like I said, we have a few tournaments a year. Uh, each semester we play. I want to say three or four events. Um, So today we had our qualifying for a tournament next weekend in Raleigh. So I want to say five kids. There there were about. 30 members that played today and five or five or six qualifiers. So it was a lot of fun. We kind of all went out just playing in, in some foursomes and just walking around having a good time. So, so far it's been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully some team success this year and just a lot of good times with those guys. Uh,
0: and so second question is, what courses in that South Carolina area or surrounding areas are you most excited about playing or or most looking forward to trying to get on to play
1: so i was lucky enough the first round that i played once i was down here was at old town club which is a perry maxwell design uh and it's in winston salem north carolina so right right near uh wake forest and it was it blew my socks off i i I had high expectations and they were certainly met uh and then exceeded um so there are a few members that I, I've kind of been lucky enough to meet through kind of the golf community. And, and that was a course that I meant to hit when I was down here to tour the school and just kind of never got around to it, never was able to kind of find a time that worked for us. And when I did play there, it was such an awesome experience. I think one thing about clubs in the South, golf clubs, just they're, they're so kind of tied to the, the local universities, football, uh, and just that kind of relationship and extra vibe that you have going around. Of, oh, everyone's going to be watching the game in the grill room or at the bar, or whatever it is. There's a really cool added aspect where that I don't think we have as much in the Northeast. So that's something that I think I really envy about clubs down here is that kind of sense of community. Everyone knows everyone. Uh, but a couple other courses I'd like to play. Obviously, the Pinehurst Resort courses are on my list. Um, the next ringer, which is in October, uh, towards the end of October, which I will be attending, uh, and my dad's actually going to come down for, which I'm looking forward to. We're playing Pinehurst number four for the first day, and then the other two days we're playing at Dormy Club, which is also a a Dormy Network club in Pinehurst, uh, which we're we're excited to see, and I'm sure everyone's going to have a great time out there. So definitely the Pinehurst region is a course I'm looking forward to to playing and kind of making my way around. Um, But, yeah, uh, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to the most, I'd say.
0: Very cool. Um, I can 100% vouch for Pinehurst and the fact that you will become enamored with not only the the courses but the town itself. The hospitality is just through the roof there. Um, I really can't think of anything that the course does wrong at all. Um, I've been there a bunch of times, most recently for the USM. We actually stayed at Talamore. Uh, My sons and I and played a few courses in and around that area. There are so many good courses open to the public. There's so many good private courses down there. But Pinehurst is just like king of the castle down there. It's, uh, it's insane. And number four after the redesign is mind-blowing. They opened up so many vistas through the course. It is just... Uh, it, it's, uh, number two is one of my favorite courses of all time. And, and as far as visuals go... I can say number four is probably better. Shot-making-wise, it's not. But as far as visuals go, it is insane.
1: I think anyone who watched the USM, um, myself included, would say that was a, a, a tournament and a production that the USGA put on and Fox Golf put on. is something that just made me want to go out and play golf after it. And more specifically, go down and play Piners and see those green complexes, complexes and see those layouts. and. I think they did a great job of showing it. And one thing that those courses do so well, I would also say Sweetens Cove Co. is like that, where you just have no rough around the green so that bad shots are punished. And you, you, you kind of really need to use your short game. You just can't go and grab your 60-degree your lob wedge and just kind of chop it out of the rough and watch it roll up to the pin. So I think that's something that you said, like shot-making ability is definitely tested more on those kinds of courses. Um And it's something that is it's very challenging, but it also keeps it playable for kind of those higher handicap or or weekend warriors that are playing those same courses.
0: Yeah. I mean, you'll look at it off the tee and say, man, I can just hit driver as hard as I want out here um, until you get to the ball and realize like, Oh my gosh, I needed to be on the opposite side of the fairway or now I understand looking back from the green. That's why the architect set it up this way. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very cool. And, And like you said, the, the areas of the rough on Outside of the greens are non existent. So it brings that imagination into play. And people think all the time, it's like, well, how can you be imaginative in golf? Just grab a wedge and hit it up there. But, you know, am I going to bounce it 20 feet in front of me and let that hill kill it and, and trickle up? Am I going to try to fly it knowing that there's a bunker on the other side? You, you could have literally 15 different options with five different clubs for the same shot. And that is the beauty and majesty of Pinehurst in and of itself.
1: Absolutely. Having to hit kind of the right parts of the fairway is something that kind of stems from the origins of golf, really. When you go over and you look at golf kind of in Scotland and in Ireland, it's just not just about hitting the fairways, because the fairways are massive, but you got to be in the right parts of them to go to certain pins, which I think is so awesome. I can have the same golf ball and the same golf shot be played in so many different ways and still be successful.
0: Yeah, it's the epitome of hard par, easy bogey, or in Pinehurst number two case, easy double bogey. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. That's something I'm very familiar with. with that <laughs> phase, the, the easy double bogey. Uh,
0: Max, so real quick for everyone uh, at the end here, plug anything and everything you got from the website to the Instagram. Let people know how they can get in touch with you after this podcast airs.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I'd, I'd say if you have any questions for me, or comments, anything, just want to say what's up. Uh, the best place to do that would be send, shoot me a message on putter kid uh, at putter kid on Instagram. I check those regularly and often I get the notifications on my phone. So I try to stay on top of those as much as I can. Um, if you also want to say what's up in the TBC, DMs, you can also do that there. Uh, so I run those two accounts, mainly on Instagram. Uh, our websites are some putter kid website. Uh, it's just putterkid.com. It's also in my Instagram bio, if you forget it and the buck club is all is our, uh, website for tbc so if you want any merchandise want to just kind of read up about the the vision or any updates it'll all be on that website so uh yeah just would love to chat more if you have any questions
0: and people i would highly suggest following max uh at the putter kid not only is it entertaining but it gives you a younger person's view on golf someone that's deeply involved in golf at such a young age. And I think it's been, you know, one of the things for me, Max, is so cool because I, I teach high school and it's something that I'm passionate about is to see young kids be so deeply involved and so passionate about something. And it's been awesome to kind of follow you along on your journey. And, and for myself and all of our fans and your fans out there, I thank you for giving us that access. That's the great thing about the social media age is that we get to see things through other people's eyes. So I greatly appreciate that. Thank you for coming on the pod and people get in on the ground floor with this kid because he is going places max thank you so much buddy
1: look forward to doing it again have a great night
0: all right people so either get busy golfing or get busy dying